0: Welcome to Kelly, Kelly Hewitt, and I'm sure she's no stranger to many of you. She was born and raised in Loveland, Colorado, and she and her husband, Kurt, attended Bear Valley. What years were you here?
1: 97, 98. Okay.
0: Late 90s. Yeah. Yeah and then later moved to Windsor, where they've been working with the church for over 22 years. Kelly is a published fiction and nonfiction author. We need to know more about that. And the co-founder of Oil in My Lamp Ministries. Kurt and Kelly have three children, and their daughter is here in the back. I'm sure she loves me pointing her out. Everyone can turn around. And look at her. <laughs> when she's not speaking and teaching, Kelly loves reading, hiking, and horseback riding. Real excited to have her here. I've only been able to meet her once, but I know it was just so easy to see in her eyes and her sweet spirit that she is a sweet, wonderful person. And I'm excited to hear you today come speak to us.
1: And
0: I think this is already recording.
1: Okay, already recording. So don't say anything dumb (laughs) right now. (laughs) Let's hook this up. All right, am I loud enough? Okay, that's usually not a problem for me, but, um, time management is a problem for me when I'm speaking. So if you see that we're creeping up on the time, like, give me the, give me the, the time to to be quiet, um just so thrilled to be here. Speaking to women is my favorite hobby. I love it so very much. And so anytime I get an opportunity, it really does bless me so much to be able to dig into God's word. And then for me, the way that my brain works to take God's word and then to be able to verbalize it, I may not be teaching you, but I'm teaching me when I have to verbalize what I've learned. So thank you for sitting and listening to me learn about God. And, and I have some awesome, awesome news today. I get the best scripture. I mean, I, I got to pick And I was like, oh, those look really hard. I'll do that one. some of, um, the other ladies that you've gotten to hear over this, um, thing. I'm, I'm sure that they have blessed you so much. I am just recovering from COVID. I don't have COVID, um, (laughs) but I'm just recovering. So I did miss the lectureship and all the time that, that I could have spent here was just, I spent on the couch, but I'm better. I, I feel a lot better than I did on Monday. So that's, that's something important, but, um, and I just want to start by just telling you that good news is coming. That's what we're here today to hear. And that's what I get to share with you. But I want to tell you a little story. Um, a long time ago, May 8th, 1945, probably before any of our time, this day will be forever remembered as VE Day. That's the day that we commemorated victory in Europe over Hitler's regime in World War II. It was the day that German troops all over Europe laid down their arms and surrendered to Allied forces. Where there had been bloodshed and fear, the deafening silence of ceasefire reigned over Europe. Now, the celebration, if you can imagine the celebration in Europe after a war that had decimated towns and cities and peoples, totally taken out millions. Can you imagine the celebration in London? London that had been bombed for years and struggled and lost her sons. The, the celebration, they say, was like nothing ever had been seen. There was bonfires, um, dancing in the streets, fireworks, impromptu parades that no one had planned. An estimated 50,000 people gathered in Piccadilly to celebrate victory that's what they were there for barriers between race and class they didn't matter they didn't matter anymore neighbors and strangers embraced each other because they were celebrating something so longed for and so amazing it was the end of the world's most terrible war A few months later, on August 14th, the world celebrated again on BJ Day. BJ Day is victory in Japan. That's when the war was really over. Think about the magnitude of that. Historically, if we had been there, darkness and fear had reigned all over the whole world. And now, victory. Celebration, But you know, the world didn't celebrate as if it had lost nothing. Many of the soldiers did not come home. Millions died in Holocaust camps on the battlefields and in bomb raids all over the world. This courageous victory of World War II came with scars. But V.E. Day and V.J. Day signified an end to fighting. But you know, the ceasefire of World War II did not stop death. It wasn't that good of a victory. Even though they celebrated it, there was still an enemy out there. Soldiers who survived the horrors of war and Holocaust victims who escaped with their lives, they still died. They still faced an enemy proving that the end of war is not the end of death because who can conquer death it's really hard to imagine a sweeter victory than the one that was achieved by those allied forces in world war ii but i am here to tell you about a sweeter victory one that conquers death our victory in jesus christ What an amazing thing that I get to talk about today. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 to 57 is where we're going to be. Turn your Bible there. I'm going to quote it a couple of times. Um, I think my lesson has NASB. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and this mortal puts on immortality, Then will come about the saying that is written, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is some good, good news. On VJ day, the fighting stopped and eventually, right? Enemies became allies over time. Japan is no longer our enemy. We're no longer fighting with Germany, but I'm telling you that Satan has no intention of flying the white flag. We have been told the end of the story here. We get to know the end But we're still fighting because Satan's not going to give up. (laughs) Satan is still at war. He doesn't realize the victory that we can live under. He wants us. His war is to convince us to live in fear and doubt. Doubt that maybe, just maybe that victory won't apply to me. Maybe just maybe he wasn't as victorious as we learn from scripture. We get distracted by what has been, and that's our sin. And we get distracted by what could be. That's our worry. Oh, and when we react to fear and worry, Satan has us right where he wants us. And he is trying to whisper in your ear that the war isn't over, that you're not victorious. That's what fear and worry say to us. Can you imagine how Satan felt when Eve took that bite of apple? Oh, he thought he had him on the ropes. He thought he had it in the back. The war that he was raging, he just scored right there. Imagine how he felt, because Satan doesn't know God's plan like God knows God's plan. Imagine how he felt when he got Jesus on the cross. He thought he got him on the cross. Jesus knew better. Jesus knew that he walked there willingly, but didn't Satan think that victory is inevitable when the other side loses their leader? when christ hung on the cross satan felt like that was his moment his big beautiful victory and that's what he wants to remind us of every day remember that remember how you felt then when you were a sinner remember how you felt when some worry came that's what i want you to keep feeling oh but death could not hold our king in the grave just when satan thought he won the war it was going to be his ve day our lord claimed victory for all eternity and you know what my sisters we can claim it through him that victory that christ claimed forever is yours and mine through christ our lord that's so good That is such good news. Guess what? Not only is Jesus victorious and us through him, Satan is disarmed and he's humiliated. This is scripture. Listen, Colossians 2.15 speaks of this victory. When he had disarmed, taken away their weapons. That's what that means. The rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them. You know what that's like? That's like bringing the loser up here and kind of laughing in his face. He made a public display of him having triumphed over them through him. That's where Satan is, my friends. He is not the victor, he's disarmed, has no weapons. He's humiliated because of Jesus Christ, the ultimate victor. We would do well to hold on to these descriptions when we begin to feel our hearts get heavy with fear. Because Satan doesn't have a weapon that can stand against God and against you. It's empowering, isn't it, to imagine the devil is disarmed? He's got nothing. That's Romans 8:31 to 34, that no weapon can remove us from the safety that we have in Christ. In his resurrection, Christ triumphed over Satan and death. Hebrews 2, 14 to 15 says, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same. So that through death, He might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who through fear of death, keep that phrase in your mind, who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. I want to talk about fear. I don't think it's a word that we've talked about until recently, maybe the last two years. Fears become part of our vocabulary a little bit more. But I want to talk about that fear. Where are we at? Let's look at the last part of the Hebrews verse. It says that those who, through the fear of death, so what do they fear? They fear death, were subject to slavery all their lives. I want to remind you that fear is a source of slavery, it's a form of slavery when you live a life of fear. And I'm not saying that we don't maybe feel fear sometimes, but it's the direction our feet go when we feel the fear that matters. Because our emotions sometimes are like a roller coaster. There's a lot of things that make us feel things. We can't always act on those feelings. When we act in fear, Satan's got us right where he wants us. He's reminding us that we're his slave instead of a slave to righteousness. Instead of putting on the armor of God from Ephesians 6, we spend our time when we feel fear, building bunkers, right? We take our eye off the mission and we say, hang on, I've got other things to do. My mission... It's to bring people to victory in Christ. But I got to put that on hold because some scary stuff is happening. I got to build a bunker. Remember the war and it's really scary and there's lots of bad things. I got bu- to start building bunkers. We build these spiritual bunkers to protect us from what might happen. But we forgot that we already know the end of the story. We already know that victory has been promised us through Jesus Christ. Fear controls what we think, and then it controls what we do. And then it controls who we are. Fear is something that causes us to really guard ourselves. It causes us to to build that bunker around our heart. We try to stay safe by doing the things we've always done. We start asking the what ifs. What if my child gets sick? What if I can't pay the mortgage? Oh, this is me. What if I make a mistake? What if they don't like me? What if I can't go back? What if God's grace isn't enough? See that slavery? Oh, I have lived there. (laughs) I, in my own life, have struggled with anxiety. I mean, it's just how I'm wired. You can tell, right? Mm -hmm. I'm high wired. That's just the way God made me. So I kind of tend toward anxiety versus depression. That's kind of how we're all, you know, put together. But I have struggled with anxiety over things that are never going to happen. Never did happen. Things, consequences I never faced. Diseases I never caught. This just hurts me worrying and having anxiety in my life and putting my feet to fear just hurts me because I don't focus on Christ when my feet are facing fear. I can only focus on Christ when I pull myself away from the emotions and face what is instead of what might be. That's where we need to be. How many decisions do you make in your life based on fear? Have you ever thought about this one? I think all of us have recently. What if I die? What if I die from COVID? I didn't. I had it last week. (laughs) What if my loved ones die? Man, when you're a parent, this becomes a whole new question (laughs) because you're thinking, oh yeah, I could die. But no, 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 my kids, they're not dying. I can't deal with that. But what if? What if they do? Some of you have suffered all of these what ifs. All of them. What if my loved one dies? I am so sorry. My whole lesson is not good news. The bad news is it's guaranteed. You're going to die. Old age, disease, accident, COVID, other viruses, all kinds of things. Seems like this world is always offering us a new reason to fear. You know, really, (laughs) death is the root of almost all of our fears, isn't it? We worry about things kind of on this level, but if you dig and you dig and you dig and you dig, what we're really afraid of is dying. We're really afraid of that because death is the end, kind of drives everything else. Ask, let me ask you this when your brain hears cancer, what does your heart hear? Death, right? You don't hear, my husband has cancer, and think, oh, uh, Disneyland. No, no, no. When you hear cancer, your heart hears death. Oh, and that knot that just comes in your stomach. We fear it. We can't, I, I, I can't be so unreal to you and so um, picture perfect to say that I don't sit there at night and sometimes feel scared of it too. Scared of what it could do to me to lose my husband or my child or my dad or anybody that's important to me in my life. But, my sisters, is this the way that Christ wants us to live? With our feet facing fear or our feet on the path of faith? Does fear get in the way of your mission? Because you're sitting down, when you have your feet in the way of fear, you are sitting down and building the bunker against the what ifs. What if these things happen? I've got to protect myself from the what ifs, but when we're on the path of faith, oh, what does that woman look like? What kind of victory could she take right to the street at her own house? What would it look like if all of us walked with feet that refused to face fear, but feet that walked the path of faith, what would that look like? What could we do? Would our funerals look different? Would our hospital bed uh, ministries look different if we were women who walked without fear? Are you hiding in your spiritual bunker or are you out fighting? How does Christ want us to live? Hiding in a bunker for the what ifs or out fighting? I want to ask you a couple of questions. Is fear controlling your worship? How about your evangelism efforts? Is there a way that you could protect yourself from some of the things that we have going on in our lives and still worship and evangelize? Have you thought about those solutions? Is fear uh, out of control in your marriage fear can be a big thing in relationships how about your parenting your whole household your choices how many of those things are driven by fear or how many of those relationships that we could turn and live out on a path of faith but we decide to instead to put our feet in fear How many of those relationships would look so different? What could we do in this world if we were women who refused to live in fear? What does the world see when a Christian woman does live in fear? When we live in fear, we act in fear, right? Because I'm not telling you not to be afraid. Sometimes we are afraid, but it's where you put your feet. It's where you put your faith. And our faith is in someone who has promised you a victory that will outlast anything that we've ever seen. You don't need to put your feet here. The the path of faith, you've already been told the ending. The ending in Christ Jesus is your victory. There is no more death. I want to read you a quote. It's kind of long, but I, I think you'll really love it. I love it. I learned so much from just this one quote. So how are we supposed to live? I asked, you know, C.S. Lewis. I wish I could have asked him in person. But this is what he said in like the 1940s, right after World War II. Guess what came? The atomic bomb, right? That's the what brought us VJ Day in the first place. But what brought victory also brought fear. Not so in Christ Jesus. We don't have anything to fear, my friends. But C.S. Lewis was saying to everyone, we are now living in an atomic age. Now, I think it's maybe showing my age. Have, do you guys remember in elementary school, bomb drills? We had them. And how ridiculous. The atom bomb is going to fall on your school and your desk is going to save you. Um, you know, you had to get down. We had to get down and of. I think we had to put ourselves in a ball under your desk. You know, the lift kind Maybe the mess of markers and crayons that I had would have done the trick. (laughs) But C.S. Lewis says this, let it just soak in. How are we to live in atomic age? I'm tempted to reply, says C.S. Lewis. Why? As you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year. Or as you might have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might have landed and cut your throat at night. Or indeed, as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, railway accidents, motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation, believe me dear sir or madam you and all whom you love were sentenced to death before the atom bomb was invented it is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more way for us to uh one more chance for us to have a painful and premature death This world already bristled with such chances in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. If we are going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb find us, if it comes, doing sensible human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep, who all think about bombs. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that. But they need not dominate our minds. That's good, isn't it? When Jesus comes, where are you going to be? In your bunker? Hiding from all the what ifs? And the what will happen? And the, oh no, 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 my sisters, we need to be fighting, standing. When hard times come and we find ourselves cowering or running in the opposite direction, I want you to remember that all you need to do instead of change direction, lean, just lean. Remember that we can lean in to Jesus, that he's won the war, that the work is done, that Satan is disarmed. He's humiliated. Our bodies will die, but our souls will live on. We do not need to fear what might be, because Jesus has told us what is. Mm. He is the victor over our last enemy. Our last enemy is not in Afghanistan. It's not in a virus. It's not in a bacteria. It's not in the heart of your neighbor. Our last enemy is death. And through Jesus, we can begin to live joyous lives in the face of anything that might come. The time has come today to conquer fear, to embrace truth and never let Satan cause you to forget what Jesus has done. Do we have victory over death through Jesus Christ? Yes. Consider 1 Corinthians again, 15, 54 to 57. Death Has been swallowed up in victory. Say it in your heart. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory we can be women who look death in the face and we can laugh because it has no power no power don't you love that doesn't that change the way you live today and tomorrow and forever because god told you the ending sin doesn't separate us from god because of the sacrifice of our lord Death, doesn't it, becomes kind of a friend when we consider that death is our vehicle to life in Christ Jesus. Christians, we're still going to die. But death has lost the sting. Because the sting was sin, right? Right. <laughs> The part that makes death so terrifying is the, the part that says you're not going to be with God. You have to be separated because God can't be around sin. Oh, victory. Victory in Jesus. Fear no more, my sisters. Fear no more. I believe that we could adopt the anthem of the words of Jesus in John eleven twenty five. 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even if he dies. Even if he dies. We have the promise of life after death. Straighten your shoulders. Lift your chin in defiance of the enemy and prepare for victory. Because it's a battle Jesus has already won for us. We must fear no more. But what does this fearlessly victorious life look like? First Corinthians 15:58, if you keep reading in that verse, it tells us what it looks like. This is our command from Paul. Here's his therefore. My beloved, because you're victorious, because you already possess victory over death, because death is not going to cause you fear anymore, because of this, this is what you're going to do. My beloved brothers and sisters, be firm, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Be firm. Be firm. Is there a magic formula for firmness of character? I'm afraid there isn't. I've looked for it. Wouldn't that be nice? The firmness of character vitamin every day. I'm terrible about taking my vitamins, so that might not help me anyway. We can only stand firm. I want to remind you so much of my Christian life has gotten all boggled up in Kelly thinking she stands firm. Mm. Kelly has no firmness. I have no spine, okay? I have nothing without Jesus Christ. If you want to be firm, do not look to yourself. Look to the rock. That's where we find firmness. The power of the Spirit working in us is what gives us the victorious life. When it feels like Satan is won, we must Stand firm and be immovable in the knowledge that Jesus Christ has already claimed victory over death. In Him, we will also claim it. Have you ever noticed that the armor of God from Ephesians six doesn't really cover your back? Think about it. You've got your helmet, you've got your breastplate, got your shoes. You got you know your belt. Maybe covers a little of your back. you know what? It doesn't cover your back. Wait a minute. What's wrong with this picture? I'll tell you. This is my theory. What does Wayne say? You know, burger 3-2. This is Hewitt 3-2. I don't think that we were made to turn our backs when we fight. I don't believe that we don't have protection from our backs because Christian women weren't made to turn tail and run. We're made to stand firm. We're made to face the problems. We're not made to retreat. Don't give Satan an advantage by turning your back on him. Don't give Satan an advantage by turning your back on the rock that makes you firm. I love one version that I read of this scripture it says, Give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Imagine what that would look like if we were women who never turned our backs, who stood in victory, who never faced the fear of death again, and we gave ourselves fully to the work of the Lord because our labor is not in vain. A fearful woman shrinks back from the work that God calls her to do because she's safer in her bunker. She's a slave. But God's woman gives herself fully to the cause of Christ. We all have to ponder what that means for us. Where God has blessed us or equipped us, we all have to say, Am I doing what God has blessed and equipped me to do? Am I giving myself fully to the work that God has called me to do? Is fear causing you to shrink back from the work that God has called you to do on the path of faith? Or are your feet in fear, sitting in the bunker? In 1945, we celebrated victory in Europe and later victory over Japan, marking the end of World War II. These were unforgettable days of victory and celebration. Oh, and the peace that followed. But perhaps even more than V-E Day or V-J Day, I want you to remember the resurrection of Christ as V-D Day. Commemorating Jesus' victory over death makes V-E Day and V-J Day seem kind of weak. We can celebrate V.D. Day every day for the rest of our lives. Unforgettable celebration should be how we approach our lives. We should be constantly proclaiming to everyone we meet, if you're feeling afraid, I've got the solution. (laughs) V.D. Day is here because of Jesus. You thought you had victory over cancer because you took chemo. You had victory over covid because you took something. I didn't get to take it. <laughs> <laughs> we have victory over death because of Jesus Christ. That's your mission. That's your mission. Jesus defeated Satan, and in doing so, he banished fear. He banished death for all eternity. Christians are still going to face death, but without the sting, we can live victoriously in Jesus Christ. Where, oh death, is your victory? Where, oh death, is your sting? Thank you so much for your kind attention.